Hello there, a bit Spursy listener. It's me, Barney. And me, Dan. And we are here to tell you some fantastic news. We have started a free Discord to which you can go on and chat all things Tottenham Hotspur and other related concepts. <laughs> yeah, to join that, uh, head to discord.gg slash a bit Spursy. That's correct. We also now have a Patreon to which you can pay for Spurs-related content. <laughs> and it sounds like a scam. It's not a scam here. It's, it's not a scam. We're not scamming. We're not scamming. It's, uh, look, we, we love uh, you know creating this podcast and there's a whole bunch of other things that we want to do with some streams, uh, some watch-alongs and, and these sort of bits and pieces. If you would like to help us out and support us there, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be able to create more Spurs, Spurs content and uh, sort of have fun doing that. So if you'd like to do that, uh, please head to Patreon com slash a bit uh, The more of you that are on the Patreon, the less time I have to spend in the coal mine, which is my job. <laughs> so let's get Barney out of the coal mine. And uh, yeah, all links can be found uh, on our website at abitspursy.com. Football is football no matter where you play it. You got grass, you got cleats, and you got helmets with masks on them. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Bit Spursy. Uh, I'm Barney. I'm Dan. And we have the fantastic... Uh, <laughs> I keep on stuffing up these intros because I want to give a glowing intro and then I end up... I'm like, where am I going with this? We have the guys from Wicked Spursy. It's very good to have them on here. Thanks so much for uh, coming on, guys, and uh, and being with us. Um, we uh, have all just seemingly watched the Brighton game. Um, which is uh, which is uh, good news, I guess, in terms of uh, the result. <laughs> I'm I'm still half asleep, to be honest with you. This <laughs> intro is uh, very reflective of that. Um, how did you all feel in terms of how how that game went? And because um, uh, we were kind of like, again, me being half asleep, I have uh, memories of that Kane goal, and then I have uh, that bizarre Emerson Royale goal. Um, but apart from that, it just all seems like a bit of a blur. I was just going to clarify as well. So we, uh, from Wicked Spurs, we do have Steve, Dave, and Mike here. Mm. Uh, so these are the most voices we've gonna we've ever had on the pod, which is yeah. very exciting. Yeah, pleasure to be here. You know, Mike gets really upset if we don't let him go first with with the response and how he feels. So, so Mike, we're going to you. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot of us here today. Um, so for any of the you guys, uh, all you, all you fans of a bit Spursy out there, uh, this is Mike. Uh, I'm from Vermont. Um, we, uh, our podcast is from Vermont. Um, and, um, unfortunately of the three of us, I'm the only one that's a native Vermonter. Um, <laughs> our other two, because, our other two. Because folks, that matters. That, that matters so much, right? It does <laughs> matter. It does matter. In the context of, uh, the name of our podcast, which is Wicked Spursy, it has a New England, uh, connotation, but, um. I I, uh, I I'm really really happy to be on with you guys. I know we've been trying to do this for close to well a year, probably since we both came <laughs> on around the same time. Um, we we share some we share some similarities. We're both on the east coasts of our country. Uh, we are both uh, we both have Spursy in our name, um, and we both started out at about the same time. Uh, the 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 funny thing is that is uh. Where our podcast seems to be uh, a 
touch more spursy than yours. You guys are just a bit spursy. We're wicked spursy. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, um, it's semantics. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is semantics, but we're wicked. We're wicked spursy. Yeah, you guys, you guys are fantastic. Uh, I I love to listen to you guys weekly, um, and uh, and uh, the the podcast, the Spurs podcast universe is vast. Um, that I, I'm finding, and and I really uh. I just wanna, I just wanna say thanks for having us on, um, and I'm sure, and I'm sure your your fans will will get a kick out of us. Uh, I hope, well, I hope at least. Um, no, it's great, it's great. We love having guests on, and like you said, the um, the universe is so wide, and it's um, it's great, sort of, sort of, you know, exploring that because uh, what you know, when we started, we were familiar with sort of like you know the extra inch, funny cock, and you know, sort of the main ones, and then it's like, yeah, once you get into it, you start noticing that there are all these podcasts all over the place, and um. Yeah. Yeah. It's great being able to sort of talk to people. Yeah. Really all over the world. Um, and especially, you know, having people who also have a remote experience of watching Spurs like yourselves. Um, cause you know, obviously we in, in Australia, we watch the games in the middle of the night normally, um, which is, <laughs> which is a pain. And I know you guys get sort of more like morning afternoon type matches usually. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it is a different perspective when you, you do have to watch the games remotely. You can't go to the stadiums, you're not walking into pubs and walking around the streets and seeing, you know, uh, football chatter all over the place. Like, you know, here it's, it's very much, um, you know, confined to either us chatting on our, uh, on our discord, uh, which we've just started. So, uh, discord.gg slash a bit spursy if you want to join that, um, but you know, we we have to like resort to things like that in order to to you know chat to other fans. Right. Yeah. Um, so as far as the game today, I love that you guys are in the future right now. It looks like a beautiful, <laughs> bright, sunny day. So hopefully that happens uh, here because it's uh, twenty. It's it's uh, we just got twenty two inches of snow. Um, I don't know what that is in uh, in in real measurement. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But <laughs> and. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and it's, uh, currently, uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit. Um, also a fake measurement. <laughs> However, um, I, 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 I want to say that the game today for me was, uh, was, um, was again, it, it was another one of those kind of tale of two halves type games in, in, in two different ways for me, uh, because I was at work. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, an OR X-ray tech. So I'm, I, I take call on the weekends and, and I have, we have traumas that we do uh, in the operating room uh, on the weekend. So I was there. And so in between cases, I got to watch the game uh, on my, in my office. Um, and I'm sure the, the noises coming out of my office scared some of the people walking by. <laughs> um, the, the first half was fantastic. Uh, was fantastic to watch a lot of, a lot of attacking football. Um, it seemed, it seemed that we were constantly constantly threatening their their third i i i uh, hesitate to 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 give them you know more than a, more than seven ratings for our attacking players at this point but the game was completely different for me um especially because of i think just because of the fact that romero was there it just it it felt completely different defensively i didn't feel uh any kind of angst at all ever during during the match uh except for like the first couple of minutes where harry winks gave a ball away uh after after retrieving it and at right outside the, our box um he gave a ball away immediately but romero kind of he did a lot without doing anything at all he just kind of there were a few times where he was just kind of stood his ground 
and it allowed it allowed the other defensive players to to kind of um to kind of find their space to to operate and take the ball um and to maybe even recover sometimes where where they uh, where they were beat. Uh, there were a couple times Emerson got beat and and he was able to recover defensively because Romero just kind of stood there. Um, he does you know tend to put in some pretty iffy tackles uh, that kind of stuff. But um, I thought our midfield is good today. I thought that Kane and Son were kind of starting to get back into a groove. Harry Kane has has been phenomenal. Um, and we saw the Harry Kane that we have come to love, you know, um, I, I think he's starting to kind of shine through now and and it's nice to see again. Yeah, absolutely. That was my, my feeling as well. Um, it was so good to see Harry Kane uh, operating at Harry Kane levels. Um, you know, that goal was just magnificent. And you saw as soon as he received the ball there and didn't get that uh, or any kind of real pressure, it was like this is uh, looking like a Harry Kane special. However, having said that, over the last few weeks, we've seen that kind of, well, longer than the last few weeks because we haven't had games for two weeks, but the um, him loading up for a shot and then skying it or putting it straight at the keeper or whatever. So it was so good to see, um, yeah, that kind of placement from him. Um, I, I too felt that Romero was just uh, fantastic, just made a difference just by his his presence and um, I think once uh, Dyer comes back in for Sanchez, um, we'll see an improvement again. I can't believe I'm saying that about Eric Dyer after <laughs> you know the season that he's had, but he has been really good. Um, uh, again, we was I don't know what, what kind of commentary team you guys had for the game, but we had this um, Scottish man who kept on talking about. Emma said, "Oh, you had the the Scottish man, great, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, Same he Scottish man, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the famous Scottish man. He kept on talking about Emerson, um, being like this amazing attacking fullback, and it was like, have you watched him ever? Like, and then of course he scores, <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> Scottish man strikes again. Yeah, <laughs> that was the first thing I said too when I told the guys on our WhatsApp. I was like, man, it's the Scottish guy again. I, 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 he, he pops up. He pops up every once in a while when we have an ESPN game, and it's just, oh, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it forms this weird disconnect when they say things that, like, often commentators do say things that we don't necessarily agree with if it's against Spurs. Um, but usually they're kind of like on the fence sort of comments, which could go one way or the other. But when they're talking about a player, which is just talking about them so differently, uh, and it's all oh, Emerson, he's got to get forward. He's so great at it. And we're just like, <laughs> we know he's not like, like that's the big issue yeah. we've had this season. And why we've been looking for a right wing back is someone who can play that in an attacking sense. Uh, because, you know, Emerson, you know, by all accounts, like more solid as a fullback, um, cause you know, it's, it's a bit stronger defensively, but, uh, it was just so weird seeing him just this, this commentator go just lavish praise on Emerson's attacking ability. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's a very unique breed. This, this commentator, I, I don't know who, I wish I knew his name, but maybe Scottish man is, is fine. Um, he's just Scottish man. Now. He's just <laughs> Scottish man. Yeah. Cause every, you know, there, there is, you know, that specific example of, of Emerson, but for the most part, like. Everything he says, I'm like, you. it's like he comes out, commentates one of our games, and then they're like, okay, back in the freezer or something. So, and then <laughs> no, no, nothing for you. Uh, and then he comes back out, commentates again, and he just has to make stuff up. 
as he's going. Um, yeah, absolutely bizarre. <laughs> it's you or this any chance? Kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any chance it's Craig Burley? Craig Burley, born September 1971, former Scottish footballer, sports television pundit, and right, we're doxing him now. commentator we're for on. ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah. where does he live, Dave? Yeah. Uh, nine, 983... Uh, Palm Avenue, no. Uh, the yeah, SWAT no team idea. are on their way right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Craig we'll never do another Spurs game. The other, uh, I, you mentioned earlier, um, the the play that Harry Winks, the play that Harry Winks, how Harry <laughs> Winks played, he was good. Um, and I'm so pleased. I, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but I've been extremely negative about him uh, for a number of years. And then... Oh this yeah. Year, this year tried to turn it around. Got myself a Harry Winks kit. Um wow. have been trying to Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um bold move. Bold, bold move. Bold move. Well And get, I might say that the shift was quite quick as well. Yeah. It didn't take you long to jump on, which I'm I'm happy of. It's like it's like uh, you know, Conte came in and said you know, he's got no judgments on players and he's happy for them to, you know, they all have a chance to impress him. And I feel like you then took that on board and then Harry Winks had a couple of good games and then boom, <laughs> kick gets ordered. It gets ordered. You know, you know what happened is that Steve last week, I think uh, Steve threatened to buy a Harry Winks kit. <laughs> That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we have to finish top four, though. Uh, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. See, I just I should have I should have put a thread out there instead. I was like, I, I've been so nasty for so long that there was so much guilt that I was like, <laughs> I need to uh, I need to turn this around. Um, and he's still got, you know, like a couple of good ball giveaways, um, like you mentioned, in him every game. But, like, I just think in terms of the way he's playing, it is uh, a huge improvement, much like Dyer, a huge improvement on what we'd previously seen. Yeah, I, I think he was fantastic. And, I like, he uh, he had that one play in the very beginning, and that was it. Um, his passing, it, when he's able to pass forward, is phenomenal. Uh, I, I think he his pass was what led to what the the Emerson uh, deflected goal, or maybe that was a takeaway. I think his pass led to Harry Kane's goal eventually. Um, I just I, I just think that this year there's he's found kind of a new sense of purpose, and I guess that's what happens under Conte. You know, you you fall out of favor for a couple of seasons, and people forget about you. And when you're out there, you don't have that. You don't play with the same gusto that that you did when you're an everyday player. I mean, it happens in all sports, right? Um, you have you have these guys that have to be playing every single day to be effective players, and I think Harry Winks is one of those guys. It's also something too that yeah, I, I agree with that. But um, it's also interesting that we often judge players just based on what they're doing, and we don't really think too much about what they're being told to do. Because, you know, there's been so much recently with like Harry Winks in the last few years of like sideways passes, not doing anything, all this sort of stuff, um, basically holding up play, but never progressing it. But then coming in and playing with Conte and he really does look to sort of get up, drive forward and and, and sort of, you know, pass forward and not have these sort of, you know, um, stereotypical Winks passes that we all talk about going sideways. So it really is interesting to see. And it makes me just kind of think like how much when we're judging these players, like we really need to to also consider how much they are following their the manager and certain players will follow a manager well and do as they're told. Uh, other players uh, who shall not be named and have just been shipped out of the club, mm-hmm. um, obviously are not doing what the manager likes, um, especially from what Conte said in his presser. 
Um, and yeah, it just sort of seems now it's like Conte is definitely someone who well, he doesn't take crap from anyone and he wants players to do as he tells them to do. Um, otherwise, he's, they're, they're out of there. Dan and Barney, I'd, I'd love to hear um, what your match viewing routine is. We talked a little bit about this just, just a bit ago in the middle of the night or, or very early in the morning, et cetera. But here's the um, – I'll give you the context for my question to you. Um, so I'm, I'm the only one in my family who follows football. I have a, a wife and two sons who are very tolerant of, of mm-hmm. my passion. And uh, for me on the weekends, um, you know, for us, matches are on anywhere from – 7 a.m. to about 3 p.m., just depending on when, where they fall in the in the scheduling day. And so I'll usually give my family the, the heads up on the weekend, right? Like uh, Spurs match at 11.30. We're recording the podcast at uh, 6.30 tonight just to give everybody, you know, this is when when I'm not going to be around and, and they're accepting of that. But I'll tell you what, my wife has begun. Um, she at least sits in the same room with me as as I watch the matches now, which is fun. And today I had I had some cool opportunities to explain just some – some quirky little things, right? Like, or quirky things to someone who's never watched a football match before. So with Kane's first goal, um, as the ball curled around, I, I had a chance to talk to her about why the ball can curl around and how, how do they make them do that? You know? So that was, that was enjoyable. The, um, that Emerson funky little goal that really wasn't his, you know, I got to explain why that wasn't his because, you know, on, on the initial eye test, um, you couldn't exactly tell until they slowed it down. You could see the deflection. And then, uh, you know, Kane's Kane's late goal, which just looked, fumbly and crumbly and if i was ever going to score a goal in a match that would probably be the type of goal like it would be really unsatisfying i'd fall into the ball and and it would be a a goal that i'd get tied up in the net with or something but um i had those opportunities today to just explain steve have you done that no i'm gonna pause right there because you know when i was in college and i was playing just you know pick up games like nine o'clock at night you know they'd bus us all over to uh to the edge out in williston and <laughs> there was this one guy, he was a, a bigger guy, to put it nicely. Um, and for whatever reason, he always wanted to play as a center forward. Kid couldn't run to save his life. Um, so his uh, goal tally was not great, to say the least, right? But I do remember there was one game in particular where... Uh, we had this, you know, one of those gym bros from college who just, you know, lives in the weight room. Uh, <laughs> this kid crossed the ball so hard that it ricocheted off the guy's face and went in. And it was like 30 seconds of him sitting there checking to make sure he wasn't bleeding and have a concussion. And then he tried to claim the goal as his own. <laughs> it's that kind of goal. It's that kind of goal. Exactly. And that would be the type of goal I would score if I were actually in- involved. But so I had, I had the cool chance just to explain some weird things today. So my question to you is what is, what is your match viewing uh, average experience tend to look like? I was just going to say, Dave, what I love about that is that, Usually, like, you know, um, men are known for uh, exaggerating and elaborating. And <laughs> it wouldn't be a surprise to hear, you know, if you were sitting there telling your wife that you would score the first Harry Kane goal. Like, yeah, I could do right. that. I could I could bend it top ends right. in the corner there. But I love that you're just like, no, 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 this is the one I would score. Where, where I, like, fall over and just knock it. That's me. That's me. Oh, yeah, yeah, darling. Yeah, great. <laughs> you know, Dan, once you get to a certain age, you you just quit trying to fake it anymore, right? Oh, just totally. call it for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, match uh, watching, I mean, for us, it's like um, once England's uh, daylight saving ends and ours begins, 
all the games get pushed back to, so they're already quite late. So the, our earliest game will start at, is it 9.30 or 10.30 PM? Um, and, but then once that kicks in, the earliest game is 11.30 PM. And, and just add, that's just at the very start of the season for the first like yeah. maybe five, six weeks. And at the very end of the season, yeah. that, that's when we have the real prime time. Yeah. Well, not even prime time, but prime time for us at 9.30 PM sort of kick off. Yeah. Whether once it sort of hits the, the, Big middle bit of the season, yeah. Uh, Eleven thirty on a Saturday is is the earliest game, or one a.m. on a Sunday is the earliest game, and then they they pretty much run the whole way through until. So it's sort of like starts okay, gets terrible because then it's usually you know two thirty, three thirty, four thirty, and then it becomes starts becoming okay again if it's um a seven a.m. or seven fifteen kickoff or or whatever. Um, so yeah, for us it's like most of the time it's sitting in a very very dark room, um, trying to maintain some semblance of uh, quiet. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean I, I've been told off my I live with my girlfriend and she uh, has many a time like I just hear the bedroom door open from upstairs and I'm like oh god, and then would you be quiet? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty somber affair here. Like watching yeah. watching it uh, at that kind of hour. Although I guess the the good thing is that so Barney and I we live about ten fifteen minutes from each other, so it's pretty easy for us to watch games together now. And we like we do usually make the stupid decision to stay up and watch games when we shouldn't. Even if it's like yeah, cool, we got work the next morning. But I mean, how many times in a year do you play Chelsea? And so we often like sort of get sucking into those sort of three, situations. Three times in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. This year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it is nice because it becomes a very lonely place when you're watching games by yourself in the middle of the night and uh, you, like, you know, cause there's just no real chat <laughs> going on. And then especially if you lose or you're not playing well, it's like, you're just getting the, like a little bit frustrated watching it. Um, and not to the point where you're really like, you know, angry and, you know, getting aggressive or anything, but you just can't really sort of like vent, <laughs> you know, to someone else. So it has been really nice watching, I think for us watching games together. Uh, Cause like my dad's Spurs fan and he, he lives nearby, but he, he's not going to stay up to watch the late games anymore. I think following the club for, you know, 50, 60 years, he's just like done <laughs> with, with sort of midnight games. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting place because it's like, yeah, it's very quiet in the night. There's not much going on, but then you're trying to get kind of amped up to watch a game and and then, you know, if you play really well and you sort of end on a high, it's like kind of difficult to go to sleep afterwards. And yeah, it becomes, I think it becomes pretty challenging. Mm. Uh, with you guys, I, um, I think when I first started really uh, uh, supporting Spurs and, and watching um, every game I'd listen to, I'd, I'd read... Um, uh, cartilage free captain and I'd listen to Wheelie Dealer Radio and part of the attraction for that is that um, which is the, a similar thing that, that we have is that you're supporting this club from a country that you don't live in and there is this sort of uh, unique uh, fan experience where you end up like you know chatting on a forum or, or chatting over Zoom or, or whatever you do um, to sort of stay connected to other fans and um, the the club. So I just want to ask you guys in terms of 
uh, how you sort of breach or, or, or cover that gap from obviously being like us and, and not being able to attend games and how that affects the way that you support Tottenham? That's a question. Mike, Steve, you want to give a shot? I need time to think. That's why I'm trying to deflect. Be really, <laughs> right. Be really <laughs> yeah, I'm a little too drunk for uh, getting that right off the bat. Um, <laughs> you know, I was I was telling these guys, my wife, she just got a, a, a bottle of wine she wanted to try. Uh, so we had that with dinner a few hours ago and she decided she didn't like it. And of course, when there's something she doesn't like, it means I have to finish it. And I'm not exactly one to, um, I don't know, put wine in the fridge after it's been open. So I had to finish that bottle. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here with my beer like, uh, man, I probably should have stopped a few hours ago. But <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, Steve, we need to check in. Is everything okay? <laughs> well, you hit on there. That's our go-to strategy. When we don't know what to say, one of us talks about drinking. And then that lets... <laughs> That lets the other guys kind of get their get their heads wrapped around. Just go completely off the rails with it. Yeah. That's the goal. Bingo. Yeah, excellent. Have I have I bought you enough time, Dave? Are you ready to to throw your? I think so, but I I see Mike trying to speak, but Mike, you're muted, so we just want to clear that up. <laughs> Classic. I'm constantly muted. It's because I have this two thing, this two uh, two device setup now. I love Mike's um, been trying I... to talk for ten minutes, and he's just like these guys are all ignoring <laughs> me. <laughs> God damn. Dan, Dan keeps pressing the mute button every time Mike opens his mouth. Um, so, so um, my perspective on on this whole thing is, uh, uh, um, I I support um, in the NBA. I support the Lakers. Um, I, I don't get to um, go out and see them that often. I support the Washington Football Team, or uh, as they're now known, the Commodores or the Commanders. Sorry, not the Commodores. <laughs> the Commanders. Um, Commandos. The commandos, the commies, whatever anybody else wants to make fun of them and call them. Um, so now I, I don't get to I'm I'm so far away where I live in the country that I don't get to see these teams. Um, so my perspective on supporting Spurs is not much different than supporting those teams. But unfortunately, they're an ocean away. So I don't actually have a chance to like I can go. Six. I can drive six hours or four hours to see um, my Washington team play. You know, in a away game, I um, I I can watch the lake. I can watch the Lakers in New York, or I can watch the Lakers in uh, Boston. Um, it's still a drive. It's still quite the drive. But um, so I mean, it was pretty growing up supporting teams that were not near me. It's it's pretty seamless for me to just support Spurs on television as I watch them on television and then suck up all the YouTube content and, uh, and internet content that I can Google. Um, so it's, it's not that hard. Um, and now that I, that, that I'm, I'm an adult and I have a good job. I, I can at some point when this pandemic, uh, allows, I, I can some point have the means to, you know, get over there. Um, and see a match or, you know, that, that type of a thing. Um, my Boston Red Sox, I make it a point to get down there to Boston to see them at least two to three times a season. They play 162 games, so it's a little different than, <laughs> you know, supporting a soccer team. Um, I can see the Revolution play up in Montreal. It's not that far from here. 
Mike, do you mind if I piggyback on what, what you're sharing too? Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. You know, for, for me, I, I grew up in a different, different part of the country. And so I think Mike hits upon something when I say the country, I mean, the U S just for our, our worldwide listeners on, on this program. <laughs> um, so yeah, following teams from far away is, is not an unfamiliar thing. And, uh, in the world of streaming today, you know, I've got my major league baseball package. I have access to, you know, football games, uh, American football games when I need them, NBA games, when I, when I want to follow them, you know, like there's, there's that access that maybe we wouldn't have had 20, 30 years ago in a, in a different world. Interesting part about following for me, following premier league football in the area that we live in. So we live in the state of Vermont, which has about 600,000 people total. Um, And so, so in the town that I live in, which has 2000 souls, I know of one other person who is a Spurs fan. We've, we've met, we've crossed paths before, but it's not like we see each other and hang out all the time. So I'm, I'm pretty solitary in my Spurs support and Mike and Steve actually live. um, They live about three hours from me. We, we met through uh, a supporters club and, you know, all kind of pandemic timing started just doing things virtually, getting on phone calls, getting on Zooms and, and connecting that way. So it's, it's been really interesting for me as, as the only Spurs guy around where I live, other than this one other dude who I sort of know, um, who's probably listening to this podcast. And I, I, I hope he is. Um, He'll be happy. He's like, hey, I got a shout out this week. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> I'm that Phil, guy. I know, I know you're out there, Phil. Phil, we'll, we'll get in touch soon. Um but you know what? It's been fantastic for um, Mike and Steve and I to to pod together because uh, friendships develop from that. Uh, we we chat nearly throughout every day on on WhatsApp with a couple other guys that we're connected with, and um, just have developed some cool friendships. The three of us have actually only met in person one time, and we've been doing our pod for I think we're approaching a year and a half at this point in time. So it's just been really cool to kind of see that develop. I think our world today, with things being virtually accessible makes all of that um, ready for anybody to grasp, which is is kind of exciting in, in my mind. So I don't know if that answers that question very well. Steve will have a better and more uh, sophisticated answer, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, at this point? <laughs> yeah, at this point, I'm all over the place. Uh, but I can do my best. You know, it's, it's for me, you know, Dave touched on so many of the nice, kind uh, parts of it, but but for me, it's always been kind of difficult. You know, Vermont is a relatively low population state, right? So getting people together um, is hard enough, but when you're trying to get people together with a shared interest in the team based in a completely different country, uh, even harder. Uh, so, you know, this, Mike and I have, have had the, the fortune of being able to go and see a couple of games together, um, at one of the local breweries up here, which has been an incredible experience. Uh, but, you know, honestly, one of my current favorite things is, uh, I, I have a, a 19 month old, uh, at home who is finally starting to get used to daddy screaming at the tv when uh (laughs) something good happens um and so you know for for you guys when he was probably i don't know six months old you know i made the mistake of really cheering on a goal uh you know last season and it scared him like this kid started crying and then you know (laughs) mom was pissed off at me um for upsetting the baby and uh 
Yeah, you know, I've been trying to kind of keep it all bottled in. So being able to go and, and watch games with uh, with Mike and some of the Green Mountain Spurs crew up here, uh, special shout out to uh, to Chris and to Nikki Winks uh, for for making that a pleasant experience as well. Um, but today, you know, it's probably a perfect example. Today, I was cheering along with that beautiful cane opener. And instead of, you know, crying and getting upset about it you know my 19 month old he looked over at me he saw that i was excited and cheering and he started cheering too you know he, he <laughs> going yay and clapping along with me and you know that just made me even more excited because it's like oh he's finally getting it um so it's probably the most spurs i'm gonna get for for a while um i was fortunate enough to to see them play um back god i must have been in high school at that point so far too long ago uh not as long as you know dave and mike in high school but it was about five enough. years ago right steve <laughs> <laughs> a little longer than that um but still um so yeah spurs it's I'm pre- essentially going to be alternating between you know having my uh my good times at the at the bar uh with the green mountain spurs with mike uh you know maybe dave will show his face sometime um uh, but I mean, I, just the fact that I'm able to to share that with my son and, and get him to start to, uh, well, let's be honest, uh, go on this lifelong journey of uh, constant depression, watching Spurs. <laughs> Sorry about that, kid. But, uh, you know, it's it's through suffering that we get stronger, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. good lessons. Good lessons. Good lessons. Yeah. <laughs> Painful lessons, but good lessons in the long run. Um, something, something I was curious about is, um, in, in the U S like, cause you've got a lot of, you know, major sports and sports that are kind of like the best at what they do in the world and, and sort of big sort of, you know, huge leagues there. Whereas like here we've got obviously the AFL, um, for footy, which is the biggest league. Uh, then we've also got the NRL for rugby, which is pretty popular too. Uh, but then what we sort of found in the past is that it's been quite competitive between these leagues to try and suppress uh, football a little bit, um, including like even in the late nineties, like, you know, um, these broadcast, like the leagues that these, uh, the, sorry, the broadcasters that were showing these leagues, the leagues would get them to buy the rights to like, you know, um, basically football games and kind of bury them <laughs> to, to sort of keep it down. So, um, I think it's like that perception maybe started to change a little bit when we made the world cup, you know, in the sort of early two, the early mid two thousands, but it sort of dropped off again as the A-League has dropped a lot in quality. And I guess my question was around, you know, I know the States is so huge and you've got like, you know, the gigantic population compared to us. But is football something there that is kind of starting to compete with these sort of more major established leagues? Is there any like animosity between the different codes? Like where is it at sort of on that journey at the moment? I think that's a really interesting question that – the first, the context you have to lay is the, so let's say the three big sports leagues, or we'll, we'll go four uh, that are, that are well-known in, in the U S the basketball with the NBA, uh, the NFL with American football, major league baseball, and then the national hockey league, you know, are, are four huge leagues. Basketball and hockey have overlapping seasons, but if you think about the way that the calendar plays out, you know, football and baseball and, and the other sports, tend to be very forgiving to each other in terms of the calendar. So competition is lessened in, in some degrees and you don't have competition, especially for like the championship stages of, of any of those sports. So there's an interesting dynamic there. 
uh, you know, Mike and I both grew up as, as kids that played American football. I, I had friends that played what we call soccer and I didn't understand it. Didn't want to understand it. You know, I thought, yeah, they should be playing football with me. And that, that was the world that I lived in. And, you know, that was in the the seventies, eighties and, and early nineties. Right. So what we've seen in America since then is soccer continues to grow football, world football continues to grow as the sport of choice um, for, for many kids. And that is exacerbated by um, concern about head trauma related to American football. Uh, I'm a guy, I'm a former American football coach. I played it. I loved it. I coached it. It was, it was a part of my life. And given the, the opportunity to make a decision, I would not have my own sons play American football because of some of the, the dynamics that go into that. So I think there's an interesting, not a suppression, but I think there's going to be a natural evolution that happens over the course of the next decade or so where the football or soccer playing population will continue to grow. Uh, worldwide leagues become much more accessible through streaming. The MLS, we'll see if the quality, you know, improves or stays where it is, but it, it may gain popularity or just, just stay at the caliber that it is. But I think, I think the door is open for growth as opposed to suppression. Um, Mike, what, what's your reaction on that? Yeah, I, I think I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, to touch on a little thing uh, that Dave just talked about a lot, not letting us kids play uh, American football. Um, I suffered a uh, a number of times uh, head trauma uh, from from that, and I was kind of given a stark reminder of how any kind of a sport um, where kids are running around, they're they're developing. Uh, my son plays um, club soccer, uh, so he he plays play soccer for a soccer academy, and he's nine years old right now. Um, he uh, he plays U ten. Um, he played for two different U ten teams last night. Um, and then his, his premier team of, in the U10 uh, section of the club, um, the premier team plays uh, a U12 schedule and what they call futsal. It's just basically 5v5, or 5 aside, um, and they play on a modified size field, like a futsal size field. And um, he, got a, he got a pretty good black eye. <laughs> playing in a, in a, for one of for one of the U12 teams um that wasn't his U U10 U12 team um so he was playing with all the 12 year olds um because they needed an extra player just because of covid and whatnot kids are and it was also snowing feet at the time and he got a black eye and uh he he's a pretty tough kid he he toughed it out and um, went on to play his game. Now, now his team are all nine and ten year olds playing a U twelve schedule. And uh, he went on to play. And I told my wife at the time I wasn't I wasn't there. Only one of us are allowed to be there uh, because of the rules. Um, and my wife, she, I made her check on him. So, you know, he he ended up going out and scoring scoring three goals uh, in that game with his black eye and his headache and all that. But we, it's one of those things uh, where um, I'm glad that he doesn't play American football, but at the same time, there's, there's, there's risk in everything you do. Um, There's risk. He could, you know, at any time blow out a knee or whatever. And I know, I know I'm kind of getting away from, from the, uh, the initial question, but I mean, 
that's kind of that's kind of the way that I I, I look at things uh, in, in as far as the way that the sports are growing in this country. And, and, and I think that soccer is becoming a bigger sport where actually MLS actually has soccer only stadiums. They're not playing in football stadiums or baseball, baseball stadiums. So I don't know if there's going to be, there's not, like they said, most of the leagues, they play well together. Um, NHL and NBA don't play well together. Um, fans don't, those fans don't cross over typically, but I don't know if there's room for soccer in those four major sports it's really hard but they're gonna have to be because because vermont was traditionally a very rich american football state and it's almost extinct now here wow so a a lot of kids are moving to soccer and the kids are are actually very good at the game are are getting very good at the game especially at like place like far post where my, my where my son plays there's a lot of kids that go there and play yeah right that's um that's fascinating that you've seen that that shift from, uh, as you said, a very um, rich American football state into one in which there's lots of soccer being played. Like we certainly haven't seen that kind of uh, shift here. Um, and where we live, Victoria, is um, an AFL-dominated state. So there's uh, 18 teams in the AFL and I think 10, <laughs> 10 of them are from Victoria. Um, so it's, um, it's very much focused here, but having said that, um, the two A-League teams that we have, um, both play out of a, a pretty good, you know, soccer specific stadium or football specific stadium here. Um, but yeah, certainly there hasn't been that kind of shift, uh, towards, or towards football. Um, I mean, we've always had a lot of participation levels in juniors for, mm for football here and that's like for a lot and, and it probably still is the case that it, it is more people do play that than they do um, play footy <laughs> what we call you know Australian rules football um, and I guess as well with Australia it's a very like sort of multicultural country and we've got a lot of people who've come overseas and, and moved here so I think there's probably that influence too where um, you know the countries they're coming from they're more likely to play like in Italian sorry in um, in Melbourne for example we've got a lot of Italians a lot of Greeks um, you know, and they're bringing that sort of passion, a, a lot of like Croatians as well. Um, and some other sort of Eastern Europeans, and they're bringing that sort of passion for football that they have. So we always have a lot of like high participation levels, especially through the junior setup. But I think what gens, what tends to happen is as soon as we get someone who is athletically good, um, if they're fast, strong, you know, got good engine on them, can run, they, as they start going into sort of high school, they then get poached to go play footy because they it's you know it's perceived to be a lot easier for them to go and make some money off it. Now whether they make the national league or whether they end up leaving and then you know the local clubs here for the footy clubs they have a lot of money too. So they often will put give people a job and you know pay them to go play and it might be 500 bucks a thousand bucks a game. Um, but there's just a lot more of that. Whereas for, for football here, like that, that doesn't really happen, um, so much. So it seems like the prospects still here, people, um, you know, the, the better athletes, they all are drawn to play footy or to play rugby. Um, so I think that's where we've got a big challenge to overcome. And it's been something that people have been trying to solve for years and yeah, yeah. The, the A-League was supposed to be a solution to that, but I think, you know, the quality just didn't sort of start getting to a level where it was really engaging for people, especially when we can all sit and watch Premier League. Um, 
So you wouldn't go, oh, cool, let's go to an A-League game. Like Barney and I flirted with the idea of going to A-League games, but whenever it's suggested, like we're kind of like, yeah, should we do it? Yeah, who knows? Um, and so I think when the quality of the product is so different, it becomes really hard to sort of go and support that, even though I would love to be able to do that. Mm, totally. Yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about the MLS, but for us, like the A-League, it's almost like they're playing a different sport. It's so slow. It's so... Uh, tactically naive it's um it's difficult to watch and but having said that Ernie, you're describing me slow tactically naive <laughs> and difficult to watch what, what is this what's going on damn he <laughs> he got me uh, figured him out yeah figured him out figured him out um i mean yeah me too really um so um but i i, I assume from like i i think i watched this is years ago now. Spurs, when they toured to the US, they played uh, at Seattle. Um, and I don't know what the, the the Sounders stadium, if it's theirs or it's a it's a multi-use stadium. But it was huge. And there was so many people there. I couldn't believe it. It is it is theirs. And and, and their fans, so the Seattle uh, uh, American football fans uh, are, are known. They, they call themselves the 12th man because there's 11 men on the football field. Mm. They affect the game so much because of their the, how loud they are. Yep. Um, it's the same way in the Sounders Stadium. Is that their fa- the Seattle fans, Seattle sports fans, have had teams taken from them <laughs> from mm. other sports rich uh, cities um, to the point where like they take their sports in that city very very seriously. Okay. And their fans are very passionate about everything. Even the WNBA, the women's NBA um, team, they're very passionate about. So they've had teams taken. Is that because of the franchise system in the NBA? How does that work? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Oklahoma City Thunder were the were the Seattle Supersonics. Oh, um, okay. So, so Kevin yeah, Durant yeah. would be. So Kevin Durant was actually drafted by Seattle, played for Seattle, and then they moved. To Oklahoma City early in his career, if you <laughs> right, have right. any familiarity with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Kevin Durant. That is. <laughs> they had the Seattle. They had the Seattle Pilots, uh, who moved to Houston and are now the Astros. And then Houston's team moved to back to Seattle. Houston's Colt Forty Fives in baseball moved to Seattle, and they're the Mariners now. Um, the Mariners fans are very rabid fan base, mm-hmm. so they they know what what it is kind of the, the the pacific northwest kind of knows what it is to have to have teams taken from them uh, portland timbers fans are the same way in the mls yeah uh, I'm, mls I'm a, is there there are there it's a fun league to watch but it's typically aging players um and super super young american players aging international players i should say i was just going to ask for that um because yeah the, the the moving of franchise thing is pretty pretty sort of interesting because if I'm not mistaken, um, when the Bucks won and, um, you know, the, the team built around Giannis and everything like that, what, weren't there talks then of like there were threats to move that team somewhere else if something didn't happen or like if they didn't upgrade the stadium or something like that? Like, so is it the league that kind of is controlling where these franchises go or is it the owners who buy it and then decide what to do it's or is it kind of a mix yeah, of both? It's the owners. It's the owners. It's a... Uh, yeah. Very much uh, like in the case of the the Los Angeles Rams, they moved to St. Louis. The city were they was, owned by? What's that? Who are the Rams owned by? Uh, I, I don't even know. They're owned Is by Kroenke. 
The Cronkies, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So the, they go. they moved to St. Louis. St. Louis wouldn't do anything to build a new stadium for them, so they said we're going to move back to Los Angeles. And La- the city of Los Angeles built this beautiful. I don't know if you've seen the stadium, but it's a billion dollar stadium, and uh, it's actually like a two billion dollar stadium. Uh, most of the stadium is underground. It's only like the top two levels that are above ground where you're actually sitting up high watching the game from. Oh, from wow. way up high. Mm. So, I mean, it, it, yeah. So uh, American, you, you see crossover in the American, uh, in the American sports into um, our, our premier league that, that we love, you know, the Fenway group owns Liverpool. Um, but they also own, they, you know, they, they bought everything in Boston except for the Boston Bruins and the NHL. Um, and then they partnered with LeBron James, who now owns part of Liverpool and part of the Boston Red Sox, and now owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, so they bought TV stations, that kind of stuff. And, you know, just to go a little further with the example, so it's entirely the owners. There's two two examples I can give you that are yeah. a little bit dated, but they'll make sense. So there's a, an American football team called the Colts. They are based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. They're the Indianapolis Colts, but they originally were the, the Baltimore Colts. And uh, that a historic NFL franchise, I'm sorry, AFL franchise early on and then NFL, but literally moved in the middle of the night, packed up the trucks. And in the, I want to <laughs> say in the late 1980s, like they moved the entire team to Indianapolis for a more favorable business setup for the, for the franchise. Um, for me as a kid, um, you know, Mike and Steve know this. I grew up outside of Chicago and uh, my baseball team is the Chicago White Sox. And so the, the owner of the White Sox was, was pushing for a new stadium, wanted a new stadium deal, wanted public financing behind that stadium. And there were two options on the table. One was to move out of the city and build a stadium in the suburb that I lived in, which I was ecstatic about as a, as a young baseball fan. The other was to move to Florida and the Florida one had much more traction. Florida is a, a much more friendly business environment for someone who wants to, uh, wants to run a, a sports team. That's why you have so many different that's why you have national hockey league team in florida just to give you give you an example <laughs> example there but um ultimately you know the uh guess what the stadium financing came through and the team was able to stay put because you know they were able to build build the stadium that the owner was looking to build so it, it is very much owner driven and it's a very capitalistic enterprise um in all of the the major american sports yeah i wonder if we say we'll see some of that happening more with football as we move on because you know, obviously there's been like the commercialization of the last sort of 20, now 30 years since like Sky got involved in the 90s with the Premier League and forming that. And that's obviously changed the game significantly. And of course, like, uh, you know, like Chelsea, Man City, all these sorts of things, Newcastle now. So I wonder if moving forward, we will start seeing some teams operate. Um, like it's it's it just seems so like not ridiculous, but it seems like there would be so much out like outrage if uh, like football teams in the Premier League really started moving around. Um, I mean, there there is one example, obviously, with Arsenal, you know, um, <laughs> hundred years ago, or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just sort of I don't know. It's it's interesting to see like where these sports are going to go and how that commercialization is going to continue when there are still like a lot of football fans who it's still treated like these are neighborhood community clubs. Um, but really they're not, they have changed and they changed a long time ago. And, you know, we see it with Spurs and we talk about like the, the, you know, the, the money in the stadium and all the development stuff around that. Like we're talking with sort of like big 
you know, capitalist businesses now, not these, you know, sort of charming football clubs that they used to be. Yeah, well, I, you I, know, I, think about I the Super League. You. Think about the Super League over the summer, right? Like that that was not about moving franchises locations, but it was about moving the competition that they compete in and it, entirely in the in the name of dollars. And I, I think we'd all be fooling ourselves if we think that that type of a proposal will not come back <laughs> and will not come back with more gusto with with more teams lined up behind it. For example, you know, Newcastle, they're going to want to be in that type of conversation now. They weren't there a year ago, but hmm. they're going to want to be want to be there now. So I think we we may have some interesting things in the future coming our way. And even if the money's right, like you know, you wouldn't surprise to see like, oh, now there's a New York team playing in the uh, uh, in this new sort of Super League that comes up, and like, oh, now we've got the Beijing Giants or whatever coming in, and um, yeah, it, it's. I think you're right. Like, you know, it feels like the there's a battle that has been won about the Super League, but it's just really delaying it to come back again. Yeah. Well, that, that, the, the, the New York team being in a Super League would be another way for uh, the owners of Manchester City to get another team in. Because <laughs> yeah. mm. they, they do own NYCFC, who just who just won the MLS title. Uh, they, well, that's, that's interesting because... I wonder how many teams won the. It's the same. They have the same uniforms. It's yeah, incredible. yeah. We've got Melbourne City who uh, wear the same uniform, um, and they won last. I think they won last year. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and and in the MLS, they, they NYCFC won by buying their entire team, which is something that the Yankees do already. But <laughs> yeah. um, um, but. It, it, it's the same thing that Man City does, you know, and it's and it's it, the I I think that the globalization of any sport is is um, especially like an Americanization of any sport is going to kind of kind of going to kind of ruin the 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 purity of the sport as as especially uh, a sport like soccer, like the folks in, in England, um, especially know um it being the beautiful game and in and the community type sport that it is, um, I know like when the Red Sox talked about um, moving out of Fenway Park to a spot three miles down the road, the fans were having none of it. So <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. interesting with, with those owners too. And I think we've spoken about this on the pod before, but uh, in kind of replicating the men that you know the city football group. And what they've done, I'm pretty sure it's the owner of Fleetwood Town, um, where Jamie Vardy started out. Um, and they are in a town which is surrounded basically by rivers and there's only 20,000 people in the town. And they can't really expand. So I, and I'm pretty sure it's, um, it, it's, it's him who's behind this. And so he's gone, you know what, we're going to replicate what City are doing. But obviously he has nowhere near the finances. So I think they bought like a third division team in South Africa or something. They've got now like a second division team in, I think it's in Dubai. Um, and, but it's, it's just interesting seeing, it's kind of like the small business version of the, the city model that is happening. So I wonder if we're going to see more of this happen from, you know, other clubs around the world. Um, cause there are a whole bunch already have partner clubs, but I'm sure we'll see some that actually start buying up these other clubs and, you know, we'll see these networks where I don't know, in a hundred years, there's like five major players who own 70% of the world's football clubs or something like that. It will happen. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Um, on the on the game that we watched. Um, uh, oh yeah, there was a game. There was, there was a, game a game today. There was a game today. Um, he's ready to talk about the game too. He's he's got it all queued up. He's ready. He's ready. Oh, Steve's here. Steve's here. What? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, in the game. Uh, Benica and Kulu played, you know, they had brief cameos and both looked pretty good. Uh, obviously, there's not a lot you can tell from that smaller sample, but uh, they both at least looked composed and pretty tidy on the ball. Benica got himself a, a yellow card, which as a defensive-minded midfielder is always a good way to signal to your fans that you're ready for business. Um, <laughs> did uh, any of you have any particular thoughts on, on either of those two? Brilliant question. Yeah, um, I was actually super impressed with uh, what I saw out of uh, Kulusevsky there um, for a number of reasons. First, he probably should have had at least two assists. Mm. Uh, I can't believe uh, Stevie managed to sky that. But uh, <laughs> no, what, what I was noticing is, you know, when, when he was kind of, especially when he first came on going at players, he did seem a little timid at times and i thought it was kind of odd but um when i started watching him just him not necessarily the the on the ball action what i noticed was he is really good at finding himself in wide open spaces or being exactly where he needs to be to receive uh a ball from somebody who's under pressure um, which I feel is something that Spurs have been lacking a lot of um, in recent time. You know, most of the players, they, t- they tend to make the game a little too compact to play, um, you know, and, and with Conte's system coming in where we're trying to do a lot of our work down on the, the wide areas of the field, it was nice to see somebody actually out in those wide areas, ready to receive the ball, ready to, either make the cross or what we ended up seeing a lot of times was kind of like the, uh, the classic Robin, let me cut inside and uh, you know, drive more centrally. Um, but yeah, he, he could have had a pair of assists. I thought that, uh, you know, he was an incredible team player, very unselfish. Um, you know, he, he would find himself that for that Stevie instance in particular, he could have taken that shot. It probably would have gotten blocked, but um you know, he he still looked up. He saw somebody in a better position, and he thought, "Let me go for that." And that layoff to Kane was just inch perfect. Um, you know, right towards the the end of the game, there he that you know, like you said, it's it's difficult to make uh, a lot of judgments, especially when it's at it's towards the end of the game. The other team's exhausted from chasing for so long, and you know, you've got fresh legs running at him, but a lot of what I saw was, was definitely, uh, it's got me feeling optimistic about his, his role in the team going forward. Um, if he can continue to get into those positions, especially as a starting player, um, and, and have some of those contributions looking out for his teammates, making some good, smart decisions, he's going to be an incredible player for us. Um, Tanker, on the other hand, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say it that way because he was also very good. 
um, I got the impression that he was almost like an amalgamation of of Winks and Skip and Hoiberg in the way he was playing. He was technically very composed. Uh, he was aggressive. He was applying pressure a little too much to get him that yellow card. But, you know, that's, that's kind of what you want, exactly as you said. Uh, you want that defensive player to to be aggressive, to be in the opposition's face, to make things difficult for them. And he did just that, uh, which, you know, we've talked about it on 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 Wicked Spursy a number of times. You know, what does Hoiberg offer over Skip, over, Skip, over Winks? Bentanker offers something similar to the three of them, yet elevated in a way where I I wouldn't be surprised if he finds himself um, as one of the starting midfielders uh, sometime soon, whether he replaces uh, Skip or Hoiberg or or Winks. Honestly, I think it's going to depend on the opposition. It's going to depend on the tactics. Um, the three of them that we have, uh, or we've, we have had so far this season, who have been uh, serviceable in the midfield, they all offer something different. Skip obviously being a little more defensive minded, Hoiberg a little more uh, attacking minded with his his pressing and and winks with his passing uh, range. Depending on on the opposition, I could see Bentanker anchoring any of them and offering them the opportunity to do something that they excel at a little more without necessarily having to worry about the defensive aspect that said i was also really pleased to see that he was getting forward he wasn't afraid to to burst forward um which again is is that's conte's system he wants everybody to be able and willing to progress the ball forward if they have the opportunity to do so we saw romero running forward we saw sanchez running forward davies is constantly in the attack and those are our center backs right so it's already looking to me just in that brief cameo appearance for, for both our new signings. Like we've got class players who are going to perform well under Conte. And more importantly, we got them and got rid of some of those that uh, didn't quite fit the mold to put it nicely. It should be an interesting, uh, uh, you know, back half of the season, especially since we have two more games coming up in the next week. Uh, Southampton and Wolves. This is going to be interesting to see how Conte rotates, to see how they continue to uh, mesh in with the rest of the team. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some some assists, some goals coming from them. Um, I, I feel confident uh, that we've got some exciting players. We've got players that that are precisely what I personally wanted, which was serviceable uh alternatives to to what we already have right we can't keep playing lucas son kane up top you need to have somebody in there uh you know we i thought bergwine after his heroics at leicester would have offered a little bit more today but it seems like he still has a little ways to go to to earn that confidence back uh but you know kulisevsky coming in it looks like he's gonna slot in nicely he could easily uh swap out with lucas and and I don't think any of us would would really mind all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tanker, like I said, he's going to open things up for for the rest of our midfield. Um, and honestly, you know, even if you're 100 percent pro skip, pro winks, let's keep the uh, you know the the Tottenham Academy products uh, at getting the most minutes. Having Batanker in there is going to 
allow them to evolve their game even more, right? We heard Conte talk about how he wants Skip to be a little more progressive going forward. This is the type of player that's going to help him do that. You know, same with Winks. You know, we've seen his his renaissance so far this season. I think with Ben Tanker alongside him, you're going to continue to see that sort of, of um, you know, let me shut up my critics type uh, uh, progress from him. I think we're in for an exciting uh, uh, back half of the season with these guys. I'm super pleased with what I saw. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. Like it, They were nice cameos to see. It was almost the most exciting part of the game, even though, you know, they didn't come on. So like they weren't like they didn't score. They didn't have, you know, any of these sort of things. But it was really nice just to see them getting a bit of a run out. Um, and, you know, it seems like we're going to see, uh, uh, you know, a lot of them pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, we spoke to um, Nima, our friend, who uh, <laughs> runs Sempre Inter, the, the sort of like, you know, Inter website and also is a host of the Italian football podcast. And he was very um, excited about these signings for us. And it was just interesting to see as well that, you know, certain fans have been saying, you know, Conte hasn't been backed, blah, blah, blah. He's not getting players he wants. Uh, and to hear from Neymar, who, you know, if you want to find anyone who knows about Inter Milan, you won't find a more knowledgeable person, uh, was saying, no, 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 when Conte was Inter, he wanted Kulisevsky. Um, you know, these are players that definitely would fit in with what Conte wants to do. And they are the, you know, they've got the mentality to to thrive under him. And, you know, he was of the opinion of like, you will 100% finish top four with Conte and these signings. Um, and so, yeah, it feels like after today's short little cameo, um, we've seen sort of signs of that. Um, yeah, it looks like it's good business. And yeah, we look forward to seeing them. Uh, hopefully, I don't know if they'll necessarily start next game, but you'd assume again, they would at least come off the bench. Uh, but, you know, moving to start in the next couple of weeks. Totally. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys would agree with with the game as a as a whole. The um, it, To me, the pitch almost felt, lengthways felt smaller because of the way we were moving the ball so quickly, um, especially when we're, you know, moving into the final third, that, that pass to cut through Brighton's, either their defensive midfield or their, their uh, centre-halves, was done at such a speed that it felt like, you know, the ball was, I mean, it helped. It was also helped by Brighton um, not sitting back and also playing quite expansively as they do. Um, it was quite end to end. And, and there was, at one point I saw poor Reggie, it was like 30 minutes in, uh, the ball went out and he was just about doubled over because of the amount of running he'd already done. Um yeah, it was it was so good to see that kind of play and and watch a game that we're involved in that wasn't stodgy, that that wasn't you know like a grind. It was just this very attractive brand of of football, and it's been so long that I'd almost forgotten what it was like to follow a Spurs team that's doing that and it is exciting. And it, it I guess what's more. Uh, even more exciting about it is that we had, and Dan said this during the game, that you can see like when we had Poch, that there's this like drive to get forward, but at the same time, defensively, it's solid, right? Like it's, it's not just all out attack and we just hope that we outscore them. <laughs> it, there is this like uh, sense of positioning and organization. Um, so yeah, I, 
I'm very excited for these next two games just to see. I mean, I might be eating my own words and we're terrible in both, but, you know, like <laughs> I uh, I hope not. Um, but I'm very excited, especially having seen those two those two signings. It's, um, yeah, it's great. It's such a – it is it is such a uh, departure from, like, um, what, what we know to be um, Tottenham Hotspur um, – classic Tottenham Hotspur kind of football, which is attack, 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 where you could, you could score four or five goals and still lose a goddamn game. Right. Um, You, you have, you have in the past, all these attacking players, but you don't necessarily, you're not going to necessarily keep a clean sheet. I think that Conte's system is very, very purpose, purpose driven um, at every single position on the field. And it's, and it's like you said, like it's super organized every single person has a job to do within that system it's it's almost it's it's kind of like a machine like if if one of those if one of those players doesn't doesn't do their job the machine is going to break down so everybody has to be on constantly and uh like you said yeah reggie reggie is like doing more running than he's ever had to do right and you're you're asking guys who don't typically do certain things like skip um asking skip to to, to get forward with the ball asking hoiberg to get forward with the ball i mean hoiberg does it a little bit on uh, in, in international play but i think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier which is the reason we got some of these guys out was because we the reason that we're succeed your conte is succeeding right now at this is because the players that left didn't want to do what he was asking and and they couldn't fit into that machine to make the machine work. The players that are there, he, he can work with, you know, these are parts that he can work with. And I think that getting somebody like Kulisewski, uh, I think is going to be kind of a replacement part in that machine. Um, eventually, I think he's going to take Lucas's spot. Uh, even though Lucas, Lucas to his credit, you know, he may not always be what we thought he was going to be when we bought him or what we want him to be, but he still works really hard. He still carries the favor of every manager that he plays that that he plays for. Um, I think Kulisewski is a, a newer, better ball carrying version of that where he's not going to constantly lose the lose the ball every time he gets the ball. <laughs> um and not try and dribble into traffic every single time. Kulisewski's got, he, he's a ball carrier. He's a ball carrying, uh, uh, right-sided, right-sided player, right-sided forward player. Um, Bentenker for me is larger than I thought he was. <laughs> um, yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I saw him, you know, I, I did my YouTube scouting that I do. Uh, and, and I, uh, I saw him on the field and then like watching him today, I'm like, wow, he's way taller than I thought he was. He's a big dude. Um, he finds a way to make effective, uh, effective passes. Um, he finds a way to um, control the midfield, but at the same time, he's able to get back and make fill defensive holes um, stuff that we saw that, you know, Hoiberg was last season was killing himself to do. Um, and Benjikur made that look easy. Mm. Um, I, I think I, uh, I, I love Hoiberg. I really, really do. I think he's a hardworking guy and he has had a rough go of it in the early parts of the season. Um, but it's going to be great to have that depth and to have 
somebody somebody there that can that can spell any one of those three guys and that are that are that were in the midfield for us in the early season. I, I think I think these two players are gonna really be very successful. And like you said, I don't know if it's gonna they're gonna probably not gonna start anytime soon, but eventually I think Kulu's gonna get in there and he's gonna he's gonna take Lucas's spot. And I think Bendiker is probably gonna take Skippy's spot to start. But you might see Hoiberg, any one of them, any one of them start at any point, um, depending on what tactics, you know, Conte wants to use. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think um, what you said, it was great to see uh, Kulu just receive the ball. And unlike Lucas, who goes charging in uh, into traffic, loses it, to watch him receive the ball, dribble, look to see, keep his head up, look to see passes that were available and then you make a pass that uh, like moves us forward or puts us into into a position where we're more likely to score or or whatever. It was it was um, it was absolutely excellent. I am very excited to see how um, his uh, season plays out now at Spurs. Um, on playing out, <laughs> we uh, unfortunately better bounce because I've got to go to work. I could keep on chatting to you guys for hours and I'd lost track of time completely. <laughs> um, it's been such a joy and, and it's been great to um, have uh, this episode finally after, like you said, like a year of organizing it. And most of that was my fault because I was writing my thesis and that I was waking up writing and then going to sleep. So <laughs> um, it's it's fantastic to... Um, to get to do it and and I know that we'd both love to do it again um, or, you know, have a chat on on the Discord or or whatever. Like it's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. Hey, we, we appreciate it, guys. It's, uh, I think I joked with Dan, this is our first step towards Spursy world domination, right? This, <laughs> yeah, this is just a, exactly. Yeah. Step in the process. But we'd love to have you on uh, on our pod sometime soon and we, we're grateful for the just the opportunity to talk about the club that we love with with people that are – are uh, of the same mindset. It's really fun. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right. Well, yeah, thanks, guys. Oh, great. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I'd like to say thank you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you are very welcome Mike, to do so. <laughs> there will be no more talking, Mike. You <laughs> um, thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for your thank you. Of course, very welcome to do so. Um, I've been Barney. I've been Dad. Uh, come on, you Spurs, and thank you, Wicked Spursy. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.